Hello everyone and welcome to the Secondary Heroes Podcast. This week we're talking about the latest Star Wars entry, Andor. It's a 12 episode TV show set five years before the Battle of Yavin. This is your host Trevor and joining me as usual is... Hey guys, this is Prague. This is Alexander Wolfgang and or DeLorean Wolfgang. Hey, whatever one you want to choose. Hey, fellas. (laughs) And or. And or. I got it. You got it. That was a good one. Good. That was a good one. Uh, I've been thinking that up all day long. So I'm glad that I got at least one. All day long. Literally the only thing I was thinking about all day long. Ah, Star Wars. Star Wars, perfect for the season, right? Whenever I think of the holidays, I think of Star Wars for some reason. So it was nice That's, timing. Seems to be a thing. Is that like a thing for everybody, Trevor? I think is that Disney, a thing for what, you? Disney was like posting oh, the movies around that time every year. Yeah. Oh, really? The yeah. recent trilogy, they decided to post them all. They all came out in December. For whatever reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, but people have always talked about how they always watch. Star Wars during Christmas. It's a good family movie to watch if you don't want to watch The Usual Suspects, which is also hmm. a very good Christmas movie. <laughs> I was about to say, wait a second. <laughs> Who would watch The Usual, Usual Suspects, which just celebrated 30 years, I believe, just this past couple weeks ago? Nice. Weeks, a little bit of knowledge ago, two there. Three, two or three weeks ago, Usual sp- Suspects. Sus- suspects. Nice. Yeah. But... This one is not a usual suspect, is it, fellas? No, this is a little different TV show from Star Wars, in my opinion. A little bit more adult. A little more different. It's very interesting because Star Wars has been relatively a lot of different directions recently. Mm -hmm. Since Disney took it over, they've finished their storytelling and animated stories with Clone Wars and Rebels. They came back and they redid more Clone Wars. Then they did Tales of the Jedi. They did Rise of the Resistance. They have emphasized the parks. They did the sequel trilogy. And then they've been very experimental with... Like, Marvel's thrown almost everything, at the, including the kitchen sink, with their TV show options. But for Star Wars, we got Mandalorian. We got Book of Bova, which is Mandalorian 2.5. And then we got Kenobi. All very established characters, very established timelines, and just fit it in like oh look here's baby yoda so that way we know what that means Andor is tied to one of the more interesting decisions disney made in making a star wars special edition movie where it's just kind of a one-off standalone movie and Andor is a spin-off prequel series to rogue one yes it was a very odd choice but they must have had a good pitch <laughs> By the creator. It doesn't have the name and the recognition that Obi-Wan Kenobi does. No. Well, not even just that. I mean, uh, Rogue One, it it is, I'm sorry, Rogue One is the one that it's, yeah. Rogue One didn't really uh, spark a whole lot of interest for a ton of people. It was kind of the, I don't want to say the weakest because I know that it has a lot of love out there, but Mm -hmm. it was one of the ones where people were just like, we really didn't need this at all. Rogue One was definitely the beginning of, do we need this many Star Wars movies? Like, people don't question that for Marvel movies. It's fine if there's three or four a year. But one Star Wars movie a year, they're like, hold on, guys. Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? We want, like, one every <laughs> other year. Yeah, and it was their attempt to do, like, those kind of those one-offs type movies and not have it try to tie in, but it does tie into the whole thing, right? Yeah, and they're still you're plans for the Death story. Star. Yeah, you're telling a story. Do you really need that story? Where right. the start of A New Hope, it says the Death Star plans were stolen. And it's like, imagine if I got to see that movie. Well, they made it. 
And now well, one of the characters from that movie got a 12 episode TV series. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a bold, bold move. As I said, great elevator pitch. And maybe they really liked Diego Luna a lot. And they're like, you know what? Give him a show. Well, and like you said, you you said Marvel can come out with as many movies as they want a year and nobody's going to blink an eye. Maybe that's because Marvel at least is it it feels like a story is moving forward. This an overall I, story, sure. This is an more overall scatter story. shot, right? Like you're in different time periods all over the place and Right. Like yeah, different Rogue styles. One, we're going back in time and we already know the outcome. We knew right. the outcome to begin with. Uh, same, same with kind of, I mean, not so much Boba Fett. Boba Fett was, but I mean, yeah, we all know. Yeah. You know, we get the idea that yeah. it's the same time period over and over again. It's not like, oh, Thanos is defeated and now here's Kang the Conqueror and here's this progressive storyline. We're going to switch out all the heroes with new heroes. This is like, oh yeah, here's a little part of the timeline that we want to show you more of. Yep. But they did, yeah, but- they, they did it. And here we yeah, are to talk about With all that it. said, as we get into the details, maybe you'll understand why. Before we get there, if you're new to the show, we like to offer our spoiler-free takes. Is this worth your time? There's a lot of streaming options out there. There's a lot of shows to watch. Is it worth 12-episode investment of Andor? It's worth noting that the episodes aren't the longest. They're not like House of the Dragon or Lord of the Rings or Stranger Things, mm-hmm. where they're like an hour and 15 minutes. These are 30 to 50-minute ranges, depending on the episode, so it's not as big of a time investment, but it still is. You have to decide, I'm going to watch 12 episodes of something. And that's that's a big undertaking when it doesn't have the name recognition. Yep. So we're Agreed. here to tell you. Absolutely. So who's going to go first on this spoiler-free review? I mean, I can. Please. So, All right. Yes. I, I, I do find this show extremely interesting just because I love Star Wars and we haven't got the best star wars content lately some of my favorite things in star wars are clone wars and rebels but it seemed like that idea of kind of maybe a grittier side it's really ironic that there are two cartoon shows which are geared towards kids have the most gritty storylines in all of star wars but we've never seen that time period in live action really shown what it's like to be under the empire you know, we get to see when Luke is successful, but what about mm-hmm. the times where the Empire is just ruling? The Empire rules for like 30 years, and it's just pretty terrible for everyone, and this shows us that, and they did a really, really good job of showing us this. I was pleasantly surprised. I remember me and Prague went to Star Wars Celebration. I didn't I didn't give Andor a second thought after they announced it, and then they showed us the first trailer for it, and I was like, this looks really good. This looks like mm-hmm. it shot extremely well. They did all these kind of details to it. But is it going to actually play, you know, it can only be shot so well. We've seen beautifully shot right. things that aren't the best movies. And what is it actually going to be? And mm-hmm. somehow this show, I think, is even better than it's shot. Just when you add it all together of all the different character actors, the storytelling, coupled with all oh, the beautiful shots and on-set locations and everything they did to put together, this is the best live-action Star Wars thing that I've seen. Wow, there you go. Wow. Hot off the press. <laughs> Heavy duty. That, no, that's that's uh, some great praise coming from Trevor. Yes. Um, well, I'll go next then. And I'm going to echo Trevor. It was a show that I had no interest in when they announced it. They said, Andrew's going to get a spinoff. I'm like, oh, that character I didn't really care about in the movie that I didn't really care about. <laughs> I was going to get a spinoff show. I'm like, who pitched this? Um, and then, yeah, we both saw the trailer. I'm like, wow, this looks like a movie. Like, this looks better than even, like, The Last Skywalker or whatever the hell that movie was that I thought was a fever dream, but apparently it's real. I looked it up today. It's a real movie that happened in life. Um, anyways, uh, so Rogue One is a movie that I always say is a great-looking movie, but it does nothing for me. The, the storytelling isn't there. The acting is fairly wooden for the most part. The characters are not as fleshed out. Um, and I think that this show, um, fleshes out those characters and I kind of wish it came first instead of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to that later though. Um, but I think that this is the first true 
adult Star Wars. And a lot of people have been talking about giving us an adult Star Wars. And a lot of times people think adult means gory and, and super gritty or like super dark and like, you know, F-bombs everywhere. No, no, no. Like an, like an actual adults will enjoy this and appreciate the craftsmanship and the storytelling and the writing and the acting in it. Um, and this is the first time I think ever in Star Wars we have gotten that. And it was well worth my time, at least. And I think it's well worth anyone else's time. This is not only some of the best Star Wars ever put on television. It's probably some of the best storytelling I have seen this year on television, period, from anything. Whoa. So, and that's a, that's crazy to come from Star Wars. Like Star Wars, I always loved because it was so kind of campy and fun and silly. Um, I never took it seriously. I wasn't like, oh, my God, this is the the, the greatest piece of pieces of art. It was more like just, you know, big box office fun that was done really well and the craftsmanship was there um but i never thought of it as like you know best picture necessarily cinema. type of type of stuff cinema <laughs> yeah um and this kind of felt like that this really felt like something that would have been produced you know by hbo um with the top quality everything across the board but in star wars so um at first i was talking to trevor about this and i thought to myself in the first few episodes that this for whatever reason to me didn't feel like star wars and that was neither a good thing or a bad thing it was just something i had noticed i went wow this is like some of the best sci-fi i have ever seen on television ever um to the point where I, at the beginning i almost wished it were um a different universe altogether like not star wars at all um like have it be its own thing um but by the second half of the series i was really glad that it was star wars because it was some great star wars storytelling in there about the rebellion and the empire and kind of the grayness of everybody you know the duality of all these characters both on both the empire and the rebel side so well worth our time um so i highly recommend it um maybe some minor flaws here and there we can nitpick at and we probably will but for my money this is worth it well friends we talk about sci-fi we talk about fantasy we talk about all these things on our show and this is one of those shows where, you know, you've, you've, you've got emotion. You've got all this stuff. And I got all of that from listening to you two because I didn't watch a second of this show. <laughs> that was a good send-up. That was a good wind-up, but I knew the pitch. knowing what happens to Andor at the end. Yeah, like, Unbelievable. Know, guys, everybody. So it's funny. You guys, when you went to Star Wars Celebration, you talked about this show a little bit. And you were like, mm -hmm. meh, don't know if this is something that we'll ever talk about or watch. And so I put it in my head like, I don't think I'll ever have to watch this show. <laughs> and then you guys are like, hey, let's do Andor. And we kept pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back. And I was like, oh, man, good, 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 good. And then, no. Here we are. We got to the point, especially on the most busy week of my life, where all of a sudden work and holidays and I'm going to the zoo and I'm going to SeaWorld. And it's like, oh, I don't have time to watch TV. And any, But you know what? I get to come on here with you guys and you guys get to tell me about these shows and I get to get excited about maybe eventually watching these shows. She never will. <laughs> maybe. Maybe in 18 years from now. No, <laughs> no. I'll probably, who knows? Or you guys are going to spoil the whole thing for me. Well, yeah, and but you'll forget that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not even in 10 years, probably in about <laughs> 45 minutes when yeah. we're done. Have <laughs> so we talked about Andor last night? Mm. Or while I'm editing this podcast. That's right. This will be fun. This cool, guys. Fun. Well, do your part then, Alex. Well, then, let's move on to the part where I'm going to speak the most, and that is for our socials. So make sure you follow us over on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, mm -hmm. everything all over at Secondary Heroes. You can also find all of our episodes and more at crossthestreamsmedia.com slash show slash secondary dash heroes dash podcast. I know I'm reading it down at the bottom for our YouTube <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, if you listen on iTunes, please rate and review our podcast because it uh -huh. definitely helps getting us pushed out to more people. Um, 
because who doesn't want to listen to a guy who's never seen the show for 45 minutes talking about it? Uh, <laughs> uh, please rate and review on iTunes. Please go over to uh, YouTube and like and subscribe because this is fun. This is all fun for us. I know that I didn't watch a show, but at the same time, I love coming here and talking with you guys. And I know that we have some fans out there who actually like to watch us. We see you, Ed. We got people out here and it's cool and it's fun. And we want more people to be a part of this little community thing that we've got going on. So please at secondary heroes everywhere. Cause all this is free for you. It's priceless to us. Sure is. Awesome. So like I said, that was spoiler freeze. Now, if you've not seen Andor, this is the spoiler portion. Either you don't mind you can pause this come back later once you do watch the show maybe you still have the finale to go whatever the case may be we are now going to spoil the entirety of the show and it is worth noting that if you do watch rogue one we know the fate of andor and that movie came out a few years ago so we already know what's going to happen to andor but this show is set five years before then so there's still time for andor to do all kinds of stuff Mm-hmm. zany adventures <laughs> well, is this kind of like how what they did with um with Obi-Wan where they were like, okay, we've got some time with this character. Let's see what we can mix up for him. Yes and no. I, I would say no. <laughs> I, I think I that this was no very specific. We, yeah, we get Obi-Wan's backstory and end story. We didn't really get Andor's backstory okay. at all. Okay. I, yeah. So I, I rewatched Rogue One just after we watched Andor, just to be like... Because I, I honestly didn't remember Rogue yeah. One as m- much beyond kind of the final climax where everybody dies. Spoiler. So in Rogue One, it's really interesting that Andor... Like, I already knew Jyn Erso was the main character, but I don't even know if he's the second character in that story. He's like... He's a catalyst for some points, but I don't even know if he's the secondary point in that storyline... And you see all these points. It's like now that you've fleshed out and learned about Andor, I want to see his perspective in more of these things. These situations mm. where we always go to Jyn Erso because she has to deal with her dad Galen designing the Death Star. And it's always that perspective. But I want to see Andor's perspective in all these situations through Rogue One because I care about Andor now. Because they gave us 12 episodes to actually develop his character that no one else in that movie gets. Yeah, I kind of wish they didn't rush to make that film. It was like they're like, "Hey, we had we've always wanted to tell this particular story for some reason, and there is a script, and they're like, hey, let's do it. This will be our first a Star Wars story ever, and it'll be fun, and you know, be gritty, and all this kind of stuff." And yeah, I think it would have been a lot better had it come after several seasons of this show fleshing out these characters. You could have brought in some of those other characters or shown them, and you know somewhere else in the storytelling somehow but they didn't and here we are so we're gonna play catch up to that movie but i still think it was worth it um i think it's gonna reframe when i watch rogue one again um to see his motives because honestly when that movie came out like i just didn't know who these characters were and they're already trying to give me like without giving me like any exposition there's like here these characters like them and i felt like i couldn't like them because they weren't really telling me much about them they didn't give us much of their backstories so especially because so with rogue one the last 45 minutes of the film are literally the battle in scarif so -hmm. that's 45 minutes less time that you can give exposition to characters and then they have to just set up the whole idea of why the storyline and every single aspect of it but two interesting Mm -hmm. parts from andor and rogue one is that we get to see more of mon mothma who's the senator Mm -hmm. a lot more and we get to see what it is to be a senator when there's an actual emperor because it seems a little like just horse and pony show to have chaotic, right? Yes. Under <laughs> yeah, everyone there is like, yeah, this is nothing. <laughs> Everyone's all talking over each other in the Senate. Yeah. No one cares. Half the people and don't show up. We also get to see more Saguera because we first meet him in Clone Wars. Anakin actually goes to his planet with Obi Wan and Ahsoka, and they kind of show them how to rebel. Ironically enough they teach them how to rebel against the separatists at that point in time. And now 
this whole time later, now they're rebelling against the Empire and Anakin himself, all the tools of the trade that he taught him how to do. But we've got to see Forrest Whitaker is game to show up whenever and wherever they ask. You want me to do the voice in a video game? I'm there. You want me to do the voice on an animated TV show? I'm there. You want me to come back for this live action, live action TV show? Whenever it is you're doing Saw, I'll be there. And he like over, he delivers every time. He's like so into it. Yeah, he loves being so funny. funny. Oh my god, <laughs> his presence on screen is like crazy in this one. I think he was better in this than he was in Rogue One, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. There's something about his his character is it maybe because he's like it's before then, so maybe he's, he's a little, little more younger, fired he's up. Not as yeah, yeah. Because like have in Rogue the whole One, breathing apparatus. He's also yeah, he needs the breathing apparatus, and both of his legs are mechanical. Mechanical, so in this yeah. movie, he still has, yeah, he's not completely done. Yeah, that's true. So, I, I, I enjoyed him more in this, I'll say. So, do you think Star Wars is going to dive back into the uh, Rogue One story just to grab some other characters mm-hmm. to maybe do other shows kind of like this? Is that something that you could possibly see in the future? If this was such a success, that so, is. I mean, it's not. It's interesting to talk about the term success because this feels mm. like, you know, almost like Into the Spider-Verse where it's critically acclaimed. Everyone you talk to absolutely loves that film, but it didn't do big money at the box office. It's opening me- weekend made like $38 million compared to like Doctor Strange is making like $188 million. Yeah. So it, it's, a kind of, it's really interesting where quality and quantity, it, it's just this show might get all the critics choices like best star wars and one of the best shows of 2022 but it seems like for disney plus it didn't really move the needle much no it didn't didn't do anything for them and i i don't know if they care as much though about that i don't think that's what they were after with this show to begin with i mean they they must have known that this was not going to be a hit right out the gate you know this is a, a little known character i think they just wanted to give maybe that option to some of the writers to to write this story um and since it was a character that no one really knew much about, and it wasn't like a big name legacy character, they kind of had carte blanche to do whatever they wanted to, and they were kind of mm-hmm. out of the spotlights. They got to do all these, uh, I don't know, different things, let's just say, with the storytelling and the visual effects and the music, et cetera, et cetera. And so. it didn't follow the Star Wars tropes that we've come to know. You know, it no, wasn't, like, almost oh, I have none. a bad feeling about this. It's not the... Wilhelm screams in random situations. It's not say just Alex. Them, oh. all those different, like you're selling the me. Main character, <laughs> like he's a murderer. He yeah, he's not a hero. Kills multiple people <laughs> at all. He's like a total anti-hero, and it shows that that idea when you're in war, the sides aren't that different. It's just a matter of perspective. Just a matter of perspective. Yeah, got to get your hands dirty, no matter what side you're on. It's the way it is. Um. I really enjoyed that. Like I liked seeing those characters make certain choices because they had to, and it's not the easy choice to make. Um, I liked seeing flawed characters. There's, uh, I forget his name, Cyril. I think his name is the uh, the young, uh, yeah, Imperial commander guy. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the guy himself is awful. Like the, the the human character in the show, but like his characterization is phenomenal. Like I love terrible miserable failures <laughs> like that to me like those characters are more fascinating than seeing someone who's always winning right it's just not as it's not as rewarding to see the same character always having no challenges and winning everything and like here's a guy who's just just despicable <laughs> and it's so uncomfortable to see him in every scene you can tell that like all of his you know fellow officers think he's a joke you know, there's there's that one guy that, that the only person I think that actually did like him, and because he was so pro Empire, like I don't know, that's more fascinating to me than seeing the same, you know, just these same black and white characters that are, you know, I don't know, one dimensional. Okay. Let's just say. That's really interesting to hear you say that after you've always said that Luke was always your favorite character. I was also a little kid. You know, it's real simple. When you're a kid, like you like things little more clear cut you know i think as an adult i appreciate a character that's more nuanced um yeah that's true that's all and or himself they developed really well and i think you mentioned hbo at the top i feel like what really sets this show apart is everyone besides andor to your point cyril is really mm-hmm. great mar yeah. mothma is outstanding and you have stellan skarsgård come in as a brand new character 
and I thought he was absolutely amazing. He was probably the most interesting character in the whole show. And Mm -hmm. every time he was on screen, I wanted to hear more. And his speech at the end, the commander Miro and the whole, just the guy, the little, the younger guy, when they're actually doing the rebellion on that planet, how he has all those beliefs of what a rebellion is. Oh, James, that's James from (laughs) end of the effing world. That guy's great. It's a good actor. All these different, but you, you brought it up. It's like, they nailed all this the smaller characters. They brought in professional actors for every single role. There's not throwaway right. parts or throwaway lines. Everybody is an amazing actor to really flesh out the story beyond what Diego Luna is doing in Andor. Yeah. Yeah, and it kind of makes it more tragic too what, what these people are going through. You know, these are characters you actually end up caring about. Like, oh, I, I actually care about them then? Well, then I'm going to care about the story. That happens, you know, even the bad guys. I mean, these bad guys are fleshed out. These aren't just like one dimensional, like, you know, bad guys behind suits who, you know, shoot lasers at you. You know, these are people that fight with their coworkers and, you know, get demoted and promoted at work and get demoralized by their mothers at home while they're eating breakfast. Oh, wild. It dives in that deep. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. His mother just trashes on this one guy, the bad guy. (laughs) Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, she it actually develops his reason. Like we watched that new Halloween, and all I thought of we get to see the mom for like five minutes in the course of that movie to right. incentivize his character development. This one, they go multiple episodes to show why the, he is the way he is. Like it's totally yeah. just psychology of developing kids through parenting. Yep, that was fantastic. I like that actress too. I don't know who she is, but she was she was great. She had a little funny voice. I think voice. she's from Harry Potter, and I think she's Professor Sprout or something. Oh, uh, yeah. She's okay. some professor. I don't know. That makes sense. I can see that now. That's fun. That's fun. Um, anyway, so that that was good. The one thing I wanted to talk about, though, um, before we dive any more further into this, is that I always liked how they changed up the theme song every episode. Yeah, the same theme, but it was done with different instruments and different ways of, I guess, um composing the piece so i really like that yeah i don't know if you saw that but that was something i really enjoyed Mm -hmm. it's because also you know it's it's not the full-on like daredevil origin story the netflix series but it it shows kind of how andor changes throughout the series because when we first meet him he doesn't care anything about the rebellion no, of that course not. Doesn't mean anything to him at all. He's a gun. He wants for to get hire. out of there. Like, that, yeah. That's all that he cares about. Give me my and money. I take my mom, surely, and we're gonna go out of here. <laughs> he changes his entire perspective. Yep. And the music changes with it. This is awesome. Yeah, especially when it gets to like the real kind of like bare bones music at the end, where it's like more kind of triumphant, but like clear. I guess is a way to put it, because then you have like the whole band that comes out in the the finale. So well, kind of echo that. I mean. Just mm. <laughs> kiss. Really well done. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that there has been so the main the main criticisms of the show that I've seen, and I had too the first few episodes was is that it was too slow. Um but I enjoy slow burn slow burns. I kind of just was telling myself to just take it easy <laughs> and wait for it. Uh to get to, to to develop. We needed to get to know these characters in this world. And um I'm kinda I I'm, I appreciate the fact that they took their time. Instead of rushing into it, I feel like there's so many Star Wars movies lately and shows that just kind of rush right into the plot without telling us anything, without giving us even an inciting incident. You know, this one gave us the inciting incident almost right away where he kills the guy and then he has to kill this cop buddy because, you know, he would go tell everybody that he killed him. Um, You don't get that too often in these Star Wars shows. So I appreciate the slow build. I do think though that star that um, Disney plus should have released these like maybe three at a time. Um, because I think it would have helped people with the pacing a little bit better. Cause I, they, they, you can tell that they, they structured it in different acts, you know, you have the first three episodes and the next three of the next three and the finale. Um, so I think that would have helped cause I, th- the ending of some of the episodes were kind of weird and different, which I enjoy personally, but I don't think an average viewer, um, would like the way some of these episodes ended, you know, there was some artistic Liberty to say the least. What's really interesting <clears throat> is the idea of it being a slow burn, but there's shows that are just slow and mm-hmm. then there's shows that are developing slowly and, Mm-hmm. We just talked about Lord of the Rings, and I felt like those episodes, it says it takes an hour, and it felt like three hours. 
That's even the fin- even the finale of that show. Yeah, this episode, it they says like forty five minutes, and it feels like twenty minutes, and the show's yeah, over. you're over, and like wait, and then it <laughs> cuts to like, black, and you're like, wait, yeah, what, the episode's over. They they build a lot of tension, so I don't feel like it's such a slow burn. I feel like there's just a lot of intrigue with because they give us little like they give the audience little morsels, so there's still a payoff within each episode. It's not sure. like, oh, yeah. oh, we're waiting to the finale for this all to develop. you got to wait for the finale. Like They give you little pieces along the way. So there's tension, tension, a little payoff, but there's still an overarching tension to it that they keep going. Yeah, well said. I agree well, with that. And a lot of the shows nowadays, the with a slow burn, I mean, Game of Thrones started with a slow burn. Uh, True Detective was a slow burn. Uh, a lot of shows that are real. I mean, Westworld. Westworld's a big slow burn, but... Right right once you get past that like hump of that slow burn and you learn who these characters are, yeah, it it explodes into something a lot more fun. And it sounds like that's kind of where Andor is going with the way that you guys are explaining it. So man. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm bummed out. I didn't watch it. (laughs) There's, there's plenty of time. Oh yeah. It's not going anywhere. No, no, you have the the whole holiday season to catch up there. And there's going to be a season two. Sadly, it's not coming until 2024, which I I really can't get excited for anything coming in 2024. It's tough. (laughs) Well, we'll get there eventually. We'll get there eventually. But that that brings me to a point that I almost forgot about, is that this was not filmed in the volume, Mm -hmm. which I think made a big difference. And a lot of people online have said the same thing. I think that the volume should be used more as a tool for rare circumstances or certain scenes and not for like an entire series because <laughs> then it starts to feel fake. Um, and that's what all the other Star Wars shows have felt. I've, I've enjoyed them to some degree, some more than others for sure. Uh, but they all kind of felt kind of fake and cheap. Um, almost like stuff you would have seen like thrown together like in the like straight to video releases back in the 90s. You know, it has that kind of feel to it. I get why they do it. You know, what do you mean you by the volume? So the volume the... is uh, it's the device that they it's like a dome device that they use that has like LED screens that go completely around them, so they can be anywhere in the world they want to and film in the same location. They don't have to go okay. to a location. Um, See, I found that to look better than when what was it in Mandalorian when they were actually on location running around the like rocks so, and stuff. No, no, I, I I understand what you're saying there. That I think was more just the way they filmed those scenes i don't think okay. was was filmed well which is unfortunate because i do like robert rodriguez as a director normally and i just don't think he filmed those outdoor scenes very well or yeah. they had a bad location scout i don't okay. know gotcha. but i did not care for the way those were filmed either that being said i do think <clears throat> it, it, it seemed like i felt like i was in that world like that that place actually existed whereas the places in those other shows i don't think like i wouldn't believe necessarily um that they were real places so the tangibility yeah, of it was really nice the tangibility like where a lot of this emphasizes the stonework like the actual in the culture of where Andor is when someone passes on they combine their ashes to create a brick with just like the normal brick material and all the like markers in all the buildings are contributed to people who've lived there and passed on and become bricks and there's just a grittiness and tangibility to all of those bricks in every single street they go down and just there's so much time and care put into the set decoration to your point where you can mm-hmm. feel it's on location it's not just a screen backdrop i also like how kind of like dirty and dingy everything was too but you didn't mm-hmm. really get to see in the, in the in the new disney uh produced big budget mo- movies that came out um they were real but they also kind of felt like they were kind of new and nice and sets whereas here you felt like the, this was a real town these were real kitchens and living rooms that were lived in um the things that they were wearing looked like stuff that they had sewn together by hand themselves in town um and hodgepodge together it was really neat uh to see all that so it was appreciative i really enjoyed the craftsmanship in that yep so all right uh, do you want to talk about any like every other like characters? I guess I know you kind of mentioned a few, but yeah, just I, I think we should talk about Stellan Skarsgård's character just because sure. he feels like he's the mastermind behind the rebellion, pretty much yeah. like 
Mon Mothma becomes a big part, but he's kind of telling her what to do. So this is the guy. He's pretty much playing the chess that is the rebellion. And to your point, he had that speech where there's one Imperial officer who's a double agent. He's been feeding them information for six years, and he wants to quit. He wants out. He wants to care about his family. And Selen Skarsgård, so the mole guy asks him, what did you give up? And he tells him that he pretty much gave up every possible thing you could possibly imagine. He decided that he was just going to, all his life is going to be dedicated to this rebellion, and his success will not be seen in his lifetime, and he fully is aware and understands that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of moments in this show, not just with his character, but others as well, that was fairly tragic. Um, another character I'm going to mention a little bit later um, is another example of that. But for his character, just to see his complete duality of like, you know, obviously he had to put on that persona for the shop. So he has a shop um, on Coruscant <laughs> that, you know, sells, you know, fancy stuff that he collects and to, to rich people. Um, so he has like a fake wig and everything and puts on this whole like era you know arrogance um i guess um but in the background he is this you know when he's not there and he's doing all the rebel stuff like it's a completely different character like he completely changes demeanor and you can tell that he is almost worn down by the guilt of all the things that he has had to do to kind of create the rebellion like he had to sacrifice lots of people their lives he has done yeah. things that are absolutely terrible um but he knows it's for the greater good and it asks the question like is that worth it is it worth you know doing these bad deeds and you know doing things that might be against your nature to we get to take on an evil one of his decisions in real time because the empire figures out their next plan of attack they capture this one pilot that's part of this 30-man pilot crew to go attack some new planet or new Imperial base. And the Empire finds out about it, and he has the choice. Do I alert them? And that way the Empire knows that we know how they're getting information, so they suspect all of their officers and there's a potential mole and I could potentially sacrifice him. Or do I let this, you know, rebellion insurgency go on as planned and have it fail spectacularly? I'm going to let all these people, all these rebels that I recruited die just to keep this one mole in place because he's more important. He has to make that decision in real time. Yep. Yep. No, it was a great performance by Skarsgård. The fact that they even got him to be in this is fantastic. And then shout out to his ship when he's captured in the tractor beam and breaks free, spins around, and somehow has lasers come out of his ship oh, to slice great. through TIE fighters. That's I ridiculous, mean, but great <laughs> visual. That was the best ship I've ever seen in Star Wars universe. It was like... <laughs> chopped him up, man. It's great. It's like he had lightsabers coming out of the side of his ship to just slice everybody up. Well, it's great, because he probably hodgepodge that all together from pieces that he stole from the Empire, you know, if you think about it. That's great. Yeah. Ah, oh, good stuff. Yeah, great character. Um, and then um, I had to look up the, the character's name real quick. Let me see. Uh, so Andy Serkis's character was one of my favorite characters. Future um, Snoke, right? The, the Future Snoke. Yeah, he's kind of playing two different characters um, in this. Is he playing two different characters, or does the Empire get his drowned body oh. and then use it? Oh, good point. Well, you never, <laughs> never know. They could retcon the whole thing, can't they? Huh. Um. So he is an interesting character because he kind of shows what the every guy kind of looks like who was probably okay. Like, think of it this way. If you, imagine you had like a dictatorship um, running things and there's maybe the average Joe worker guy who's like, you know what? This is kind of nice. You know, everything's running pretty smoothly. I don't mind this. I did something stupid. I went to jail. I got to do my time. I'm fine. I'll be a good boy soldier and do the best I can and then I'll be released in about a year, I'd be fine, right? Then they find out that everyone who gets released gets put back into a different prison. No one ever leaves the prison. So as soon as he finds that out, that's what triggers him to be like, oh, I'm going to rebel against this. Everything, yeah. It breaks him, and it's fantastic. It's a great, uh, not only a character development for him, but also shows like how a rebellion can start um, in people. And it's really, I, I think, kind of the cr cruelty of the Empire is shown to him. And that's what breaks them. It's not just that they are this lean, mean machine. It's that they're just, they're horrible. They're not good people at all. They're just ruthless, terrible, demoralizing um, 
the people and he he that was enough for him and so he you know gathered everything he could to lead a rebellion out of this prison and broke everybody out um with the help of andor and at the end as they're all fleeing this base this this prison to jump in the water he says i don't know how to swim that's it we never we we don't know his fate but that was it. I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like any other show would have been like, oh, let's show him being saved or being killed. Like, no, we just don't know. Like you're just left with that. Cause he, there's nothing you could do. Cause everyone's running. Like he had to, he had to jump off the, the end, uh, Andor. So Andor was looking at his friend and he'll never know if this guy who helped oh him save everybody was going to live or die. This is a great character. And those risks don't get taken very often in general, let alone in Star Wars. So I really enjoyed that. And just the whole prison sequence, the amount of detail they went in to filming them work on whatever they were working on. Right? Whatever that was, like that was a lot. They just showed us working on it day after day. They're doing different parts here and there. And I was like, something's got to happen in it. And nothing really ever does. They just showed these sequences to show the monotony of their day to day life to really show what Andor happened. And also to your point of how horrible the Empire is, it shows that. Andor is like, okay, I was successful. I got all these credits. My heist worked. I'm going to go to a planet and get away from the Empire. I'm just going to live my life on a beach somewhere. Done. And then it shows the reach that (laughs) the Empire has. He can't go anywhere. And he's just walking down the street. And some stormtrooper is like, hey, you there. You're trying to incite a riot because these other guys ran by. And so we're going to have to send you. And then he gets sentenced to six years in prison. And all he was doing was walking to the store. He literally didn't do anything at all. That was great. And the best thing is, is that like he got away with the heist. He did. He got away with the heist. Still to this day. He did not go to prison for that. He went to go to prison for literally doing nothing. That's how powerful and corrupt the Empire is. And it also proves that he can't go anywhere. Like he told his, his mom, he's like, I'm going to get us out of here. We have all the money now. We'll, we'll move somewhere where the Empire isn't. And there isn't. The Empire is everywhere. They have it. reached the entire galaxy and encompassed it. So like what she said, his mom, he's like, you know, the only place is left is in my head. I have that place. I go there. You know? So. Oh, my God. Sad. So there's a lot of sad moments in this show, yeah, by the way. The mom, I mean... Just the mom and also his droid, the B2E, whatever. B2 uh, emo? Yeah, yeah, B2 emo. He's one of the, he might be the most just sympathetic just the saddest, droid. The saddest droid we've seen. He's just yeah. super, you're just like, oh, that's so sad. No matter, he makes sad droid noises all the time. All the time, even when he's happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess I'll go with you. All right. <laughs> Thanks he's for just, loving me. He's terrible. He doesn't say sad. that. I'm just it's very sad uh, especially the opening i think it was the the penultimate episode where they they open on his eye when mm-hmm. we find out that she had died mm-hmm. the mother and it goes to him that the the screen starts shaking and you don't know what the hell's going on it's like i gotta focus and you realize that it's his eye like crying like he is physically upset oh my god <laughs> oh it's no. heartbreaking <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's like one of the saddest moments in star this. wars like it's a droid the, the droid well, shows emotional more emotion than most most other Humans? characters on other yeah. shows. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, it was a great shot, like visually, like the the cinematography of that that scene was pretty amazing. You have no idea what you're looking at, you know, at first until it pulls back and you see that he's shaking the coffee cup on top of his head that he's holding because <laughs> he's so he's like he's so shooken up over the death of this woman that's taking care of him. So, I want to go with her. I can't go. No. <laughs> oh, I yeah. can't watch this. Oh yeah, good stuff. <clears throat> oh Lots no, I think you you literally just sealed the deal by <clears throat> cry, cry stuff. Nah, but it's all good in the end. He gets tossed over and thrown by a bad guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he okay, gets beaten cool. up and everything. That's happy ending. Oh, um, I'm glad to yeah. hear that. But that leads to the rebellion, so that's kind of fun in the town so in the last episode careful there alex sorry speaking of great speeches though i mean the mother has a hologram speech for after her death but they play it and she gives quite the impassioned speech for people to stop just standing around that just the show does a really good job of building things up in the first episode and the last episode they're on ferrix and they show us 
different versions of using noise to kind of get everyone together. And the first one is an alarm system where everyone's just doing this alarm. And so almost everyone in the town is doing alarms because the Empire is here and Andor needs to get away. We're trying to protect our own from the Empire. And in the finale episode, they have the whole funeral march and it's a different type of... It's not, you know, the alarm system, but it's still alerting outsiders like there's this whole inside knowledge to the sounds they use on their planet that outsiders have no awareness to and it can let them uh, communicate through music and Mm -hmm. it's just such a slow build of tension as that music is going in the background finale is just it's it's like if you want to know how to build tension in a tv show or film like watch that episode if you're out there Aspiring filmmakers, watch that episode. It's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, they opened the episode, the last episode, with that kid building the bomb. And you know he's building a bomb. Like, mm-hmm. he keeps looking at the picture of his dead father who was killed by the, the guards on the, the planet. And he's, like, soldering this, this machine thing and putting stuff in it and slowly, very carefully placing pieces. And, like, you know that he's going to blow up things and you don't know when this bomb is going to go off. So there's your bomb under the table, your classic Hitchcock thing, right? So you have that for the whole episode. Then you have the marching band and you hear them in the distance and the bad guys are like, what's that sound? What's that music? What's going on? Like, they're doing the perfect procession early and they're, it's coming from different directions. And, yeah, that whole thing accumulated. And then, of course, you know, the, the speech and the droid gets knocked over and then the bomb goes off and blows up everybody <laughs> fantastic chaos <laughs> like all of our characters are all together in the same spot boom powder cake and then just to have like after the first 11 episodes michelle asked me so she's like so how much do you like this show and and then she's like i know i know it depends can they stick the finale or not because that's right. what it always is can you stick yes. the landing you can build a great show and that's right. the finale actually game perfectly <laughs> goes with this show to stick mm-hmm. the landing and just makes the whole journey worth it. Yes. Yeah. I like how naturally every one of our characters kind of came together. It wasn't like they were forced we here. see a lot of that forced getting together. Oh, here's all our that. stories and they're all here together. Yeah. the guest. <laughs> yeah. And this all makes sense. So tying it back to Andor and this inciting, this inciting incident and seeing why these characters would even be there to, to track Andor because they're mm-hmm. all tracking different aspects of him, right? Like you had um, Luthien who you know used him and then he found out who he was, so he had to kill him. He has to mm-hmm. kill – so the guy who we thought was one of the good guys now has to kill our, you know, our hero of the story. Um, so he's there for that. And then you have that woman um, who's another great character, by the way, um, who's working her ranks up through through there you know hearing about these rebels and this andar guy is probably the guy that's spurring up these locals and et cetera, et cetera. so you have all these people that have a reason to be there because they all know that his mother is this woman that died in town perfect that's not forcing anyone there that's narratively sound like you got everyone there in the same spot um and he blew them all up with a bomb which caused chaos and it's just that's just great storytelling i really appreciated it a lot so well worth it. Well done uh, to the team behind the show. Yep. And then fun Easter egg we got to see. It, I didn't notice it until after I watched Rogue One. But mm-hmm. in Rogue One, there's a character named Melshi, and he has a few okay. speaking parts. He kind of works with Andor. He's the one who actually backs him up when they decide to do the Rogue One mission when the entire rebellion's like, that's too dangerous. We're not going to side with you. Melshi's the guy that Andor breaks out of prison with. Oh, 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 the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay, the guy that they... Yeah. Yes, okay. The one who couldn't hang on Melshi. any longer. <laughs> yeah. The, what? The one guy that goes with Andor is actually a big part in Rogue One. I would have never known that because he's such a small character right. in Rogue One. He has like two lines of the whole movie. And he's really important <laughs> in the in the show. He's like the guy that keeps saying like, we need to do something about this. This yeah. is BS. It's crazy. Wow. Like, I love how how adamant he was. Like, it was really... It kind of gives me emotional. Like he was really adamant. Like, you know, we got to tell everybody what was happening here. Like he was adamant about like how terrible the empire is and how horrible they are as people. And he's like, he keeps repeating it to Andrew. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like we have to let everyone know we have to split up. We can't die together. Cause then the, the message will never happen. Like we have to split up and try our best and tell as many people as possible. Cause this is, this is wrong. What is happening? What the empire is doing. Yeah. And so. I mean, just the, the finale is great, but the prison break sequence is great too. Just the way they show all the different floors rebelling together and to get to that point, 
mm-hmm. when they all find out, when the old guy passes away, the old guy who's literally worked to his bone and had the shortest amount of time left to escape, and they all find Lost out that. collectively <laughs> yeah. that mm-hmm. they don't actually get to leave, that they're just transferred to some other prison. Just all the mechanisms that go into that where they get everyone on the same page just because we see how built up this prison system is where the floor is electrocuted and they can kill anybody in a whim just by flipping a switch if you touch the floor at a certain time they have the entire prison rigged where they don't need that many people manning it because the system is rigged to kill you and for everyone to unite together and be like I don't want to die here I'd rather die trying to get out of here yeah, I'd rather die scraping my way out than, you know, being some slave into this in this uh, jail cell. And just that slow oh. buildup continuously over and over again, no matter what story it is, it's always the same slow buildup. And there's yep. always that payoff to it. I mean, we didn't even talk about the heist where they go oh, to the yeah. planet. and That was so early this, in the series, but it was so well special, done. <laughs> like celebration every three years because there's a meteor shower every three years and the local people come to witness it. And that's where, where the Imperial base is. And there's a, one of the lieutenants on the Imperial base fell for one of the local people. And so now he hates the Empire and he's going to work against them. And they only have six people to go and take down this whole base. And they plan yep. this whole like heist movie style essentially it's kind of like a little like almost war movie where you have like prisoners on enemy lines where they just have to figure out ways to get through impersonate whatever you need to impersonate take anybody hostage do whatever you need to do because it's not about the heist like they do the heist they steal all the credits but that's never what it was about that's what's so interesting yeah yeah it was really well done and that that guy i i don't have the actor's name but he was also in the bear he was the uh uh the guy's best friend in the bear he was a really great actor and he ended up being a turncoat at the end like he was really just there for the money he didn't really care about the rebellion he's like i guess i do kind of rebel it's me against the world um just a great moment for for andor to see that be like okay (laughs) like uh, maybe i should fight for something here because that's kind of uh not a good way to live me too when andor decides to shoot him yeah yeah. <laughs> the one guy in the, who's been like super hardcore rebellion doesn't trust Andrew when he shows up is like, hey, that 40 million we got, let's spit it. 50 50, you get 20. We'll go, we'll just get out of here. And Andor just shoots him. Like, I'm expecting some kind of discourse. He's like, done, shot. <laughs> no, I think he was, I think at that moment he was kind of like sad over that kid dying. You know, I think he was like, yeah. this, this kid who wrote the manifesto was like, got crushed by credits, man. The irony um that was yeah just, that was pretty ironic yeah um sad way to go man uh being crushed to death and i think seeing that he was like he just didn't want that he didn't it, i don't think he needed the, the, the discourse it was like nope i'm done <laughs> like yeah. you, i don't like what you're what you're selling me buddy this isn't what it's about so and then just shout out to the meteor shower itself visually like they talked about for a TV show, show and how amazing it was going to be. And I'm like, I hope we see this uh, meteor shower. I don't want right. it to just have like glowing lights on the ground or anything. They fly through the meteor shower. And yes. as I'm watching this, I'm like, if I'm one of the richest people who like lives on Coruscant or something, I'm flying to this planet and watching right, to this see in this. person. Right. It happens once every three years. It's like a solar eclipse and except times a million where the entire sky lights up with different neon colors as the meteors go through it. It was yeah. amazingly shot. They fly right through it. It's great. I still can't believe it was a TV show. <laughs> like that looks yeah, better than some fair. movies, in my opinion. Just the way they're traveling in between all the different comets and stuff, flying mm-hmm. through them and being shot at. Yeah, so good. <laughs> and then the TIE fighters, so they get hit by the meteors. And just like one of the things about this show that you just noticed right off the top is they're on this basic planet. You can tell they're shot on location. It's, you know, some European country they're on. And. The ties are in the distance and they're always slightly blurred because you're at ground level from, you know, eye level perspective. It's not going to look like it's right there and stand in front of you in a warehouse. It's going to fly by really fast and they blur it. So it looks natural. Like it's obviously the TIE fighter didn't fly through the scene, but it looks so 100 percent authentic. And that's how this show every shot. They cared that it looked real as realistic as you could possibly portray in a star wars universe made for us yeah yeah i think that that you can see the love that everyone had on this show in every aspect 
of the show. <laughs> that's rare. That's rare to see in any TV show. Yeah, not even just Star Wars. So, um, and I think that I've heard from some some you know Star Wars fans that say that you know this is this is not Star Wars. This is not where Star Wars should be going. They should stick to only legacy characters and expand on them and just do you know lightsabers and the Force and. I don't know. I don't agree with that at all. I think that it needs more of this is what it needs. And I'm someone who usually only loves the stuff that deals with lightsabers and the force. So for me to say that um, means a lot to this show. So credit to the storytelling. How big the Star Wars universe is when it's always just somebody with the force and lightsabers. It it seems like everything's a lot smaller and a lot more convenient. When yeah. you go and just you're on random planets we've never seen before, there's so many planets in the Star Wars universe. And finally, no sand planet. How big the Empire is, first of all, but it also emphasizes yeah. how many lives are impacted in different ways. Like it's great if you can use the Force and wield a lightsaber. It's a lot easier to rebel than it is to just mm-hmm. be some random guy with a blaster or some guy in a, in, a, in a jail cell to stand up to you know all these guards in the middle of the ocean and break free and swim to yeah. shore. And climb up rocks. It's just a whole like, different perspective. Like, yeah. Rebels is interesting because it has both. We have Ezra and Kanan as the whole Jedi connection. But mm-hmm. we have all the storyline with just Hera and Zeb and Sabine where they're just rebelling. And yeah. they get to go to these different planets. They focus a lot on Lethal, but it just shows the Empire and how it. they go to planets. They destroy planets. They mine it for all their resources. They don't care yep. about the local inhabitants. And they just keep turning them over and over again. And even little victories end up not meaning much. Like, oh, we just took out a big ATAT and we just destroyed this base and we destroyed right. their communications tower. And the next day, there's new Empire reinforcements. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you, 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 you destroyed one of like on billions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And this show does a really good job of emphasizing that because there's a sequence where the Imperial officers go to that planet and they just talk about how stupid the local inhabitants are and like, oh, you know, a thousand people used to come up here. This year it's going to be down to 60 and we're just going to trade their stupid pelts and these guys are idiots and they're just so dismissive of the local people. Like it was peak Imperial power where yes. they just feel untouchable and so they act as obnoxious as possible and it's great when they found that out too they're like wait these people like they they i forget how he phrased it but it was is that they think that they don't need as many people as they do um mm-hmm. and that's where they found that weakness at they're like oh okay well if they they only have a few people you know at this base or the few people at this prison you know there's more of us than them we can we can figure this out guys um, we can break free. We can we can do this. Um, but I do think to Luthen's point um, is you have those little pockets, but it's not enough. Like the the empire at this point is fat and lazy. You know, mm-hmm. they're rich, lazy. They have all this stuff. They're not concerned about these little rebellious bands of people. Like he needed to do something to really piss off the empire and um, get them revved up uh, for. Uh, for people to care. So that means killing innocent people. And when the you tighter, kill lots of innocent people, they're going to care. The tighter the Empire's grasp, the more the people are going to rebel. You know, mm-hmm. he, he can't just go and rally the troops planet by planet. Instead, right. you have the Empire do it for him. The Empire yep. is going to radicalize people just by being as more oppressive. It's exactly. a brilliant strategy. Like, it, it's morally ambiguous. It's very morally probably. gray. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even worse than that, but greater picture it's a brilliant strategy yeah yep god when he, that scene with uh with what's his name um forrest whitaker uh uh whatever his character's name is um saw, saw Guerrero. yeah so that moment where saw realizes what he's telling him like <laughs> you want to you want to sacrifice these men you would have sent me to my death he's like yeah i would have well <laughs> now what okay <laughs> let's go to war because saw has always been morally like he shows up in rebels and mon mothma is like he's a radical version okay what saw does is more radical than what we want to do and right. to have this guy make saw be like whoa that's what you're doing it, it's a nice contrast of what his true intentions are yeah and we didn't talk about mon mothma at all uh but she was great too i know we don't have too much time we're kind of running out but i think it, like, she has the whole development of actually living on coruscant and yeah 
trying to raise a family and the intertwines of being manipulated potentially by her own planet's heritage and the need to disperse money to the rebellion but now the empire's looking closer at her money and just all that balancing act of trying to be part of a rebellion while still being part of the system yeah it's tough for her too right because if they, if they find her out it's it's the end of the game she's the right. one funding them like she has to be very careful about who she talks to how she talks to people um, when she talks to them, she has the cab driver that's spying on her that she uses to her advantage at the end, which is really great. Um, but yeah, she really had to maneuver through a lot. And I, I don't think I ever fully uh, realized that, obviously. They didn't really mention any of this in you know the Star Wars movies. So to get that background on her, to see what she had to go through, because um, usually you can be very dismissive of someone who's like rich and you know part of the upper crust of society and be like, oh, they're, you know, they have it easy, but she was trying to fight for everybody else. Like she was trying to fight for, for the, you know, the, the, the common man. And she had to do it while being spied on by everybody even her own family member. And at, at the point I thought her daughter was going to turn her in at some point at the end of the episode, I was like, what is happening with that kid? She is nuts. Yeah, she's, she hates uh, her mother. Yeah. She's totally a religious like, fanatic, religious fanatic that actually works in Mon Mothma's favor to create this game of thrones style marriage yes it's very game of thrones style <laughs> <laughs> where she marries out her daughter to this gangster son to get all the money that she needs but yep. her daughter buys in because her daughter's all in on chandrilla's culture and traditions and she's kind of a lot like luthien in that moment uh they did this really great like long take on her she's like bawling up in tears you know her eyes like slowly get redder and redder when she realizes that she's giving up her daughter to something that she hates mm -hmm. uh for the greater good like she's giving up her family in that moment she's like this is it like i am sacrificing my life my livelihood um for the fate of the the universe here we are <laughs> i get you know my daughter's gonna be in this arranged marriage and this weird cult here we go giving up to this gangster Yep, and Brilliant. I mean, we also get to see Coruscant with cool tones, which is the first time we've ever seen. Like mm. Coruscant, we only really get to see it in the prequels, and there's a lot of warm tones. This shows kind of the cold, sterile Coruscant, where this is the middle of the Empire's reign. Everybody who has stuff has stuff, and everybody who doesn't doesn't. And there's it's very contrast. much like North Korea. If you've ever seen like North Korean like places where they live, it feels very much like that. You have just a few that are very, very rich, and the rest are all super poor, but they're very rich. They do pretty well. You know, they have like full marbled, very plain, uh, cool-toned places. Same idea. Oh, of course I'm going to be loyal to my to, you know, the emperor. He gave me this nice place. Yep. It's great. <laughs> And then also, yeah. if anyone doesn't want to watch Rebels or hasn't watched Rebels or maybe hasn't watched it in a while, season three, episode 18, the ghost crew actually helps Mon Mothma escape the Senate. So she finally gets to the point where she can't be a senator anymore and she has to be a full on rebel leader. And it's a good like I had to watch that. I was like, oh, I remember nice. that time they saved Mon Mothma. Now we get to see why Mon Mothma needs saving. Because there's oh, going to yeah. come to a head of what she's doing right now. There's going to be. A I thought it was going to happen this season. season. I did too. <laughs> oh yeah, it's going to be. I'm actually. I I know I'm not excited yet because it's going to be a while. But I am looking forward to seeing how they they do everything the next season. I think that's going to be it's going to be a lot more faster paced next season for sure. I just want these showrunners to work on other storylines within Star Wars. They, oh yeah, they I think Star they proved Wars. themselves. They know storytelling. I don't care what you throw at them, what you want to pick, what timeline, what character, let them yep. do some other stuff because I could watch all shows that have this kind of just TLC. Reverence? Into it. Yeah. Yeah. Reverence for the craft of filmmaking in general was mm -hmm. appreciated in Star Wars for sure. So there you go. Good, good, good stuff. Um, highly recommended. So, Alex, everyone else listening, please watch this show. Well, the numbers up. <laughs> after listening to you guys, I'm actually quite hungry now. I think I might make a big batch of croissants. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's not a bad batch of croissants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe the moths will get to it. Ah, oh, boy. Uh, Mon Mothra's. Mon Mothra's. Mothra. <laughs> Mothra. Mothra's a spinoff. That's a whole different yeah. thing, yeah. 
That's her final Mothra. form. She becomes Mon Mothra. Mon Mothra. <laughs> Mon Mothra versus leader. Godzilla. <laughs> Uh, I just realized that my mic was on mute this entire time. So every time that I kept trying to chime in and you guys kept talking, I was like, oh, I guess I'll just be Oh, we should do this more often. Uh, Oh, interesting. Oh, my God, dude. The whole episode I was on mute. And I'm like, why can't I get a word in edgewise? That's great. All right, Trevor. Uh, I saw you go over the mic a few times, but I thought you were just like, stopping yourself. Like, <laughs> no, I was like, good constraint. And I was like, oh, I guess he wanted to hear what we had to say. Yeah. Well, you guys keep talking to me. I was like, eh, I just won't say anything. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Well, now I know. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I at least figured out that I muted myself for my Coruscant joke. <laughs> I made it exactly. all the way an hour to get to my Coruscant joke. But it was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it for that gold nugget. <laughs> Anyways, treat yourself you. this holiday and watch this show. 100% okay. agree. So that's Andor. Again, we hope you are like, I'm more into Star Wars now. Like, I'm sad. Like, once I finish the show, it's like, I need to watch Rogue One. I'm going to go watch that sequence of Rebels tied to Mon Mothra. Yeah, I'm more like, invested got me now, right? Reinvigorated in Star Wars. And yep. this whole time period the new Jedi Fallen Order, whatever it's called, the sequel, it's like, I don't know, that is coming out in February or something. I'm like fully invested into this Star Wars time period of what people do under the Empire's reign. Yes. Under high stress. <laughs> so yes. shout out to Andor. It got me reinvested into the Star Wars universe. The sad thing is, though, there's just, it doesn't have that catalog of like, Oh, coming in February, and then coming in May, and then coming <laughs> right. in July, and then coming in August. It doesn't have that whole timeline <laughs> knocked out. No, but you gotta it appreciate it while it's here. There you go. Well, you can watch that and or Wednesday, which I did watch. Sorry, I reused that joke again. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Is everyone listening? We hope you enjoy. Go watch Andor. This show Trevor, and we'll talk next time. Frog out. Adios, y'all.